So what I wanted to talk about this morning is cultivating everyday love because we hold love as this high principle that God is love. And I mean that literally. There is no person, I don't believe, up there going, I'm God and I love you and I approve of you and you are in serious trouble and you. God is love. The very energy of love moving through the universe, creating every created thing on an ongoing basis. That is God, including you, including me. Those are huge concepts to hold. Meister Eckhart, who was a 14th century German mystic who was, all, was tried for heresy, which makes him really awesome in my book, um, said that God is continually on the birthing bed, giving birth to the world. Not was created long ago, but if that energy of love were not animating everything, we would not exist. And so that energy of love is ours. And these, like I said, are big concepts, but how do you do that on a day-to-day -day basis? So that's what I wanted to talk about today, and Susie just sang beautifully about it. And um, so to embrace life, to embrace love means to welcome it, to come with open arms to love. And life is made of days. So if you welcome a day with love and you do it again tomorrow and you do it again tomorrow, that is a life of love. That is a life of love. And we have the power of choice in every moment. We're always choosing. Is my heart open or is it closed? Am I welcoming or am I defending? Am I loving or am I judging? Hmm. A little bit of all of that. A little bit of all of that. But we do get to choose. But one of the things I like to say in the classes I teach is, you don't have a choice until you know you have a choice. And so many people walk around the world not knowing that they have the choice. I could choose love in this moment. I don't have to defend. I don't have to judge. And what I know is that when Jesus said, judge not lest ye be judged, he didn't mean don't judge other people because I'm going to judge you. It means that the measure by which you are judging other people, you are doing that to yourself. When you are able to cease judgment of yourself, you'll, you're more able to cease judgment of others. When you are able to cease judgment of someone else, just to open yourself up enough to say, okay, maybe there's something here that's worthy. Maybe there's something here that's worthy. Even though I know how they voted, and I want to say they're 100% wrong in every single way. Maybe there's something here that's worthy. And when we can open our hearts to that, we, began to, we begin to open our hearts to our own worthiness. Because that is the single obstacle on the spiritual path, I believe, is that we don't, we're afraid to truly believe in our own worth. And once we believe in our own worth, then it's so much easier to begin to see it in others. So how... Do we do this love thing? How do we do it? We know how to do it at church. We hug, we sing, we listen to hopefully wise words. We pray. But how do we do it when we get in the car? <laughs> 
How do we do it in the grocery store? How do we do it when we're, um, when we're shopping? How do we do it when um, our partner is absolutely driving us buggy? Hmm, a little harder. And how do we do it? How do we make the world a more loving place? How do we make the world a more loving place? Because I'm telling you that as each individual makes each individual life a more loving place, that is how the world becomes a more loving place. Not the war to end all wars where we just beat down everybody that disagrees with us and take over with love in our hearts. <laughs> because we were the ones who were right after all. But because more and more and more of us begin to live our lives in love. That's how it's done. How do you do it? Smile. Smile. And I'm, I am guilty of, I get in my head. I'm living in my head. I've got my shopping list. I know what needs to be done. And I know that I hardly have any time to shop because I've got to get home and I've got to do this. And there's a meeting at this time. And, there's a, and I can go into the store like this and not look up and not look up. I have been training myself for years to look up, to look up and see the people that I pass and smile at them when they're coming by with their grocery cart, when I'm standing in front of the cashier, when I'm standing with the other people in line, to just give them a smile. That's all. It doesn't take much more than that. Some people will smile back at you, and some will not but everyone will experience the smile in some way. And you have no idea the ripple effect that that can create. You have no idea. The other way, which Susie also sang about, is slow down. Now here's the deal. I'm actually preaching to myself. You might not need it, but man, busyness is my it, I don't want to say it's my enemy. Busyness is my challenge to learn from in this life because I, it, I tend to overcommit. <laughs> and then I think, oh, I got to get this done, and then I got to get this done, and then I got to get this done, and then I got to get this done. Slow down. Because when I haven't slowed down, I forget to pet my cat. Cats. They become something that's in the way of my getting ready. They become just the ones who took a nap on my black pants when I laid them on the bed to put on. My dog, my dogs, they become the ones that are in the way when I'm trying to get out the door, when I don't slow down. When I slow down, not only do I remember to give them love, but I open myself to receive that love. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, if you don't have a dog, go get loved by someone's dog. <laughs> they're not really picky. They will love you pretty much no matter what, which is a good thing. I've been given the gift recently that my dog Molly, who just turned 11, has been diagnosed with a very aggressive form of sarcoma. And Bob and I were in agreement right away. We're not going to put her through the torture of treatment, which would include amputation. And we're just not doing that. So we've decided we're just going to make her as happy a dog as she can possibly be for the rest of her life. And boy, has she adapted to that. <laughs> Bob goes by Chicken Express and buys her chicken tenders oh. two or three times a week. 
She gets all her meds in Vienna sausages. <laughs> she has her pepperoni and she has her bones and she has her bully sticks. And now it didn't take long. It's only been going on for a couple of weeks. But I get up in the morning and come downstairs and she's like, where's my medicine? Where's my medicine? Because she, she wants those Vienna sausages. And I am taking time with Molly in a way that I perhaps never have before. Not that I didn't love her, not that I didn't spend time with her, but now that I know the time is limited, I am valuing every moment of it. Guess what, y'all? All our time is limited. All our time is limited. And when we know that, rather than speeding up to get more done, we can slow down to take it in and appreciate it more and truly experience it. So... Molly's asked Susie, she's feeling pretty chipper. She can't go for long walks, but I just take her for several really short ones during the day so she doesn't hurt herself. Because as our vet said, Molly will wag her tail even as she's dying. So that's not an indication of how she feels. You're going to have to look for other signs because that's her personality. She's just sweet. Slow down. Look. Look. Rumi says every object, every being is a jar full of delight. Be a connoisseur. Think about that. Every object, every being is a jar full of delight. What if you decided to begin to look at the objects and the people in your life as jars full of delight? How would that change you? How would you treat each other differently? I promise you, I adore my sweet, sweet husband, but I do not see him as a jar full of delight all the time. As I've told you before, sometimes I see him as a jar full of dog poop because he tracks it all, tracks it all over the house and has no idea. And I'm like, ah, ah, and he's like, what? I say, check your shoes. Oh, oh, I didn't know. Okay. <laughs> Do I experience that as a jar full of delight? I tell you what, there was a time when I would scream and yell, not that long ago. But I have learned in the past, we've been married 29 years, I have learned in the past few years, you know what, I don't get him forever. And there will come a day when I wish I had some dog poo on the floor. Very likely, very likely. And so I go, it's obviously not important to him whether the dog poo is outside or inside, he likes to spread it all over. It's important to me that it not be inside, so it is incumbent upon me to clean it up. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. And my heart rate doesn't go through the roof, and I don't ruin the whole evening for both of us because of a five-minute cleanup that I have to do by taking out my frustrations on him. This is the way we build a life of love. Look, make eye contact. Look in someone's eyes. Look in someone's eyes so that they know you've seen them because we all want to be seen. We all want to be seen. I am here, I am here to see you. I'd like you to say back to me, I am here to be seen. Let's try that. I am here to see you. I am here to be seen. Yeah. 
what does that do to your heart? The first time I did that exercise, I just, as soon as I said, I'm here to be seen, I started crying because I realized the truth of that. I want to be seen. I want people to know I'm here. Everybody wants to be seen. And sometimes just seeing someone is enough to change their whole day. And enough changed days bring a changed life. So um, I was just reading recently in a book that I got for my birthday, a book about trees, that actually um, distance vision is something that we can actually improve over a lifetime or keep from getting worse. I mean, I, I'm wearing contacts right now because I am. My distance vision is just, you know, I see to here and then everything else is a blur. But um, think about how little in your life you look up and around. You look at the horizon. You look up into the sky. You look up into the boughs of the trees versus how often, for me, you're buried in a book or in front of a computer or in front of a television. See that posture? <laughs> so I've been practicing this just in the last couple of weeks to look further and to look higher. And it's amazing how it transforms life. I begin to take in the beauty that's all around me instead of being in my head. Because when I'm in front of a book or in front of um, the computer or even in front of the TV, I'm experiencing things in my head instead of with my body. And when I look around, I might see something that I can experience in a bigger way and possibly even improve my distance vision. I'll let you know. So seeing, how about hearing, listening? Listen to someone. That is a beautiful way to express love. Truly listening, even if they're telling you the same story again. My mother came here to teach me that lesson. I mean, she taught me many, many, many lessons, but in her, the years of her dementia, I mean, a five-minute phone call, I might hear the same story three times. But I understood this is my mother, and this is where she is. So getting off the phone more quickly is not going to be good for either of us. I get to just listen to the story again as if I've never heard it before and say, oh my goodness, wow. Think of the people in your life who are a little tedious, the neighbor that you go, oh, please don't notice me, I'm in a hurry, because you know if you start to talk to them, it may take you a really, really long time. I'm starting to look around at those opportunities to listen to someone because we are also all here to be heard. We want our voices to be heard. We want to feel like we have a voice in the world. And guess what? Everyone does. But you won't know that until you begin to listen to all of the voices. Appreciate. Say thank you, as in the poem by Jan Phillips. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you start saying thank you for every good thing in your life, I'm telling you, and I've done this before, when I was at my very lowest point in life, I just started saying thank you. 
And 24 hours later, without sleeping, I was still saying thank you and I hadn't run out of things to say thank you about, even though my life was horrible in my own head. There's always so much to be thankful for. And when you become thankful, you start to energize yourself. You start to let that energy of love flow through you. So you're a conduit of it. And the things in your life that are horrible, that need to be changed, you have a much better chance of being able to change them. When you approach it from an attitude of appreciation, this is good, and this is good, and this is good, and this is good. Thank you. Now what? What next? What next? Okay, this, I didn't um, warn Jerry about this because I forgot, but I would like a couple of ushers to come forward if you don't mind. And we're going to pass out these cards. This is a game I like to play. It's called True and Kind. True and Kind. Think of someone in your life, and it's, this is called a love bomb, love bomb. Church of One Love, love bomb. You don't have to do it now, but you have that opportunity to do it now. Write on the back of it something about them that is true and also kind, right? We don't have to tell every truth. You know, your hair looks terrible today. True and kind, true and kind. And just drop that bomb on somebody. Maybe you just drop it on the server where you go to lunch. Drop it on the pizza guy when he delivers the pizza today. Maybe you give it to your partner. Maybe you give it to someone at home in an unexpected way at an unexpected time. You can turn someone's life around. And if you decide that you like this activity, we will make more love bombs for you. We will be your source for love bombs. Yeah. True and kind, true and kind. Okay, here is a thing. Be curious. Be curious, thinking we already know what there is to be known about a person, a situation, a religion, a job, an interaction, closes us off to what there is to be discovered. And our curiosity is the best hope of us being in a world where we begin to respect one another. I'm telling you that this division in our country is not about the people in our country. It is about the media making money and a very few politicians gaining in some way from this divisiveness. But what I know is that the guy who's flying the flag on the property next to mine that I would die before I fly, while I have my Black Lives Matter and my rainbow flag at my house, if I need help getting my car started, he will start my car for me. If I need someone to let out my dog because it takes me longer than I think to get home, he will let my dog out for me. I think you will find this is true 99.5% of the time. And when we judge someone based upon how they voted or an, an opinion that they put out into the world, then we are losing out on the love and the connection that we could have. And a little curiosity. Just ask them, not as a challenge, oh yeah? Ask them, so tell me more about, I mean, 
tell me more about you. Tell me more about you. What do you love? What do you hate? What drives you bonkers? You can even ask him, what about the government is driving you bonkers? It is surprising to find, <laughs> surprises me to find, that a lot of times we have much more common ground than we have differences. Because guess what? We're humans. We're humans. We all need love. We all need to be seen. We all need to be heard. Ah, do you get what happens? When you prejudge someone, you no longer see them. And if they are here to be seen, which we all are, then you are taking something away from them. Think about that for a moment. If we are here to be heard, and we have closed our ears to hearing, then we have closed our heart to someone. And then this is a hard one, detach. Because some people you will be curious about and they will say, none of your business. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. You already did your part, you reached out, you opened your heart, you don't have to close it off. You have to detach. You have to go, I understand that this person is, them. us finding common ground is not a live or die situation. I can respect that they're in a different place from me and just go on about my business and detach, as friends of mine in my 12-step program say, with love instead of with a flamethrower. You have somebody in your family that you're in serious disagreement with, it's like everything about them is so different from everything about you that you just can't even find any common ground. And so you say, I'm not speaking to you anymore. Okay? What if you decide in your heart and in your head, it is unsafe for me to spend a lot of time in the company of this person? And with love, a lot of times you don't even have to tell them. You just know it for yourself. When I'm in this situation and it starts to be uncomfortable or I feel abused or I have reached my limit of being able to love, then I get to walk away. I don't have to lose the love. I get to walk away. I'm here to tell you that works miracles. Miracles. Learning to detach with love from my father from the things in life that we would never agree about and allowing myself to be present for all of the love that there was allowed me to have a happy relationship with him the last 15 years of his life and to have zero regrets on the day he died because I knew, he knew how much I loved him. And for the past 15 years, I never talked about politics or religion with him. Just didn't do it. If he started, I would say, I think we need to talk about something else. And if he kept on because he wanted to drive his point home, I would say, I love you, I'll see you later. Get in my car and go on, or go into the other room, or take a walk. No, you're wrong about this, and I don't want to talk to you about it. But just, yeah, I don't think we're going to agree there, and I love you. Let's talk about something else. Doors open, I'm telling you. Doors open. Take advantage of that. I want to read you one more quote. I have no idea how to say this person's name. T-Z-I-V-I-A, Sibia Gover, from her book, Joy in Every Moment. She says, each day we live a microcosm of our life, our whole life in a day. 
Each morning we are born anew, and each night we have the chance to make a full accounting of how we spent the precious hours just before we slip into the mysterious darkness of sleep. We are gifted with tens of thousands of opportunities to master the art of living fully awake to the wonders of ordinary moments. So I suggest in your nightly inventory before you go to bed, just look back, how did this day go? And possibly ask this question, who did I close out of my heart today? Who did I allow into my heart today? Not so you can beat yourself up for all the people you closed out, because I'm sure there are a few always, because we're human, that's what we are. But when we realize that we have closed somebody from our heart that day, we can say a prayer for them. We can say a prayer for ourselves. God, help me hold my heart open, even when I'm triggered. God, I pray for the highest and best for this human being without pretending to know what that is. Without pretending to know what that is, because we all have something to learn, right? And if we got everything we wanted, we wouldn't learn what we need. And I don't think we would be happy. We have examples in public life of people who got everything they ever wanted, and it's clear it was never enough, and it doesn't make them more loving. So, who have I held out of my heart today? Who have I let into my heart today? And know that you can always keep a behavior out of your heart. You don't have to let that in. Into your heart or your life or your time, your hour, your day. But we can do that without putting a person outside of our heart.